Hi, this is Jeff Dixon. I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I hope you enjoy as we continue this series, WL Miami Foundations, as we explore the various and basic understandings of what we believe. But I'm going to do just a setting the stage for what I'm going to talk about this week and next week. So which means next week I'll probably repeat what I talk about this week just because that's how I do. But um, I'm talking about in our foundation series, just kind of the basics of what we believe here at Word of Life Miami. I'm going to talk about baptism today. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to talk about the word in the term of baptisms that we believe in multiple baptisms. Let me talk about that for first by setting the stage and describing what is the word baptize. What does the word baptize mean? Well, it's a Greek word to immerse, to bury, dip, or submerge. So when you think of the word baptize, it's to immerse. Now, in many contexts, we think of the word baptize in dealing with water, but it means to be fully immersed, to bury, think about it, to dip. Or submerge. Now, some places, some denominations think of in the terms of water baptism and children of a sprinkling or a wedding, but it doesn't apply to the true Greek emphasis or Greek word baptize. It does require a full immersion of whatever you're being baptized with. Um, the word is often interpreted to put under or into water. It's an entirely immersed scenario. Now, one of the things that is often talked about in the terms of baptizing is that there are really only two baptisms. There's a lot of denominational and theological discussion on that, but I'm going to show you today through this introduction to baptisms that there are actually three baptisms. I'm going to show you that we've gotten it. Some people, some of us have oftentimes gotten it wrong, but uh, hopefully today through some maybe opinion but hopefully through biblical fact that we're going to get it right and talk about the three baptisms the first one i'm going to address today is we're going to call it uh, baptize, baptism or baptizing in us in jesus the holy spirit does this work now i'll talk about the third one here in just a minute and clarify what i'm talking about but the first baptism as you can see here on the screen the holy spirit baptizes us in jesus the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For in one spirit, uh, if you've got your Bibles, I don't have the scripture on the screen, in one spirit, that spirit is referring to the Holy Spirit. We are all baptized into one body. That one body talking about the body of Christ being Jesus. This is a salvation experience. And by the way, when this one spirit does this, the, the connotation here is this is a fully immersed Scenario. So when we get saved, when we join the body of Christ, and when we get fully involved in what we do and what God is doing through the church and what we call the body of Christ, it is a full-on get in, get your feet wet, go all out, do it all, do everything you can, be a part of what God is doing through what we're doing here. This isn't a partially do anything. When you are baptized into the body of Christ through salvation, there is a compulsion upon you to do everything you can to get involved in everything 
that God is doing. So this is our salvation experience. This is our surrender to Jesus. This is the moment in which he makes us brand new. And it's an awesome encounter. As a matter of fact, let me see. I If I can get this pulled up, kind of a sidebar. Within this baptism, we can call it baptism of salvation or baptism in Jesus. There's this idea that we've got to back up and understand why we need it. First off, this first of baptism, it's, it occurs when we accept Jesus as our Savior it reunites us with the Father, repairs a breach in a relationship that was caused by sin. Romans 5.8 says, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. This demonstrates God's love for us. Did you realize that I think for most of us, if not all of us in the room, maybe say Brandon, because he hadn't had a choice, choice to make a ch chance to make a choice, but you, we, I, me, we, us all, we were Sinners. That happens. Romans 3.23 says, Because all people have sinned, they have fallen short of God's glory. Now, as a sinner, you cannot or could not please God. I'm kind of walking through what we call the Roman road. The Romans road. It says in Romans 3.10-12, as it was written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. Now, there's more to the Roman road, but uh, it walks us through some salvation. Now, we were dead in our sins. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5 says, You were once dead because of your failures and sins. Well, great. My sins caused me to be dead. This is a lifeless death. Not like I cease to breathe, but I cease to have existence within what God has for me. You follow the ways of the present world and its spiritual ruler. This ruler continues to work in people who refuse to obey God. All of us once lived among these people and followed the desires of our corrupt nature. We did what our corrupt desires and thoughts wanted us to do. So because of our nature, we deserve God's anger, just like everyone else. Doesn't sound real encouraging right here, right? We, we hear this word here that there was a part of us that was corrupt, and because of it, we deserve something based in God's anger. But verse 4 in this passage is a very powerful and prominent word that I like when it shows up in Scripture. It's called but. B-U-T. Because it's about to say, this is what should happen, however, or but something else is going to happen instead. I like the insteads of Scripture. I like the insteads that we get to walk into. This is where grace plays a role in our life. It says, but God is rich in mercy because of his great love for us. We were dead because of our failures, but he made us alive together with Christ. See, it is God's kindness and it is his love for us that has saved us. And because he loves us so much, he dealt with our sin, with your sin, with my sin, through the influence of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 8 says, We will come, he will come, sorry, to convict the world of sin, to show the world what has God's approval and convince the world that God judges it. Salvation is a great gift. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, God saved you through faith as an act of kindness. You had nothing to do with it. 
Did you catch that? You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. It's not the result of anything you've done, so no one can brag about it. The person who receives the baptism of salvation is going to heaven when he or she dies. Bottom line, we're going to heaven when we die. That's cool. Now, you've heard me say over and over again, I love the fact, though, that just because I, I get this what we call fire insurance doesn't mean I can't experience some heaven here on earth, and I love that. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says, For by one spirit we are baptized into the body, whether we are Jews. I read that earlier on. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, God gave all for us one spirit. So how do we get to this salvation? Well, we must repent. We must ask God to forgive us, Brandon, of our sins. Yes, sir. Romans 10, 10 says, By believing you receive God's approval, and by declaring your faith you are saved. First, man who believed God, the first man who believed God was Abraham, and it was counted to him as righteousness. When we believe Jesus, he makes us righteous. We are the righteousness of Christ. Salvation comes from confession of the mouth, faith of the heart, and the grace of God. By the way, this grace of God pays for the whole bill. The first two are like sitting to the table and eating. But Christ God, he pays the whole bill. God doesn't need your help, by the way, in saving you. We are saved when we believe it is finished. And it is the finished work of Christ. This baptism means you're going to heaven when you die. But you are not finished. So the first baptism, as seen on the screen is the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. The second baptism is the disciples' baptism, and they baptize into the body of Christ. This is what we call water baptism. Matthew 28, 19 says, it's a commandment, by the way. It's a commandment. Jesus says here, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That baptizing here is water baptizing. How? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. By the way, this baptism, this water baptism, I'm going to talk about next week in extreme detail, but this water baptism is, isn't just a symbol or a sign that we have to do. There's more than one sign to it. It's, it's not just a, a symbolizing what we have done when we give our lives to Jesus, but it's also a bearing of the old flesh, and we'll read about that in more detail next week when we look at Rome in the book of Romans about that. It also can be seen like the Israelites when they go into the Red Sea. They're leaving the Egyptian life. They're leaving all of the Egyptian struggle behind, leaving slavery behind, leaving a past life behind. It's interesting that two go into the water. The Israelites go into water and the Egyptians follow them. But the Israelites leave the water and the Egyptians are left behind. And not only are they left behind, but they are completely annihilated. The curse of slavery is broken off of them. And that is what happens when we are water baptized. Ephesians 4 uh, talks about one Baptism, but it also talks about there is one Lord. And the reason I bring that up, and I'll talk about it more in detail, is it, there, that's a, a scripture that many people use to try to say there can't be three baptisms, but because this Ephesians 1 talks about one baptism. But we also talk about there being, it talks about there being one Lord, but we also know that he is a trinity God. There's a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three separate it, uh, expressions, but one God. You hear me talk about that? Some, but we've got to realize here in just a little bit when I break this out to you that 
There are three who are one, and there are three baptisms. And here's the important, just like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the three baptisms I'm talking about, they all agree. They all agree. That's the significance. So we've got the first baptism, baptize, uh, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. The second, the disciples baptize us into the body or baptize into the body of Christ, water baptism. And the third one, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a there's a talk and it's grammar. See, there's there's this thing that says when you get Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. And and yes, when we get Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit in that there's a triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But it's because the Holy Spirit introduces us to Jesus. The disciples enter us to freedom from the past life through water baptism. Jesus baptizes us in. There's so many people that talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is salvation, the first one. But if you'll notice, don't, don't put that up just yet. The, the Jesus, if you'll notice, does the baptizing in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the baptizing in Jesus. Do you see the grammar there? So it's baptizing us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus does this work. So I'm going to just spend just a few more minutes on all of this, and I'm going to show you a really neat picture how all of these are necessary for us to have a victorious life. It's kind of cool. But Matthew 3.11, by the way, this baptism in the Holy Spirit is mentioned in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, let's look at those. Matthew 3.11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance. Okay, so we've got that right. There's water baptism. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mark, so we've got Matthew's account. Here's Mark. Uh, 1.8 says, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 3.16, so Matthew, Mark, here's Luke's account. John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he was mightier than I is coming. This sounds very similar to uh, Matthew's account. Uh, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Of course, we see that same account. And John 1.33, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me baptized with water and said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Spirit. Now, one of the things that we see, there's this progression or this pattern that is, is present in the proper Christian experience, the proper walk with Christ. There's this pattern that you see, and, and I'm going to put it, actually, I'm not going to do it, but Nash is going to put it on the top screen, and it's first is salvation, and then we have water, and then we have spirit. There's a pattern that you're going to see through Scripture. First, again, there's salvation, and then we've got water, and then we've got spirit. Now, the question is this. Is Jesus our example? Is Jesus our example? Pretty plain. Now, did Jesus need to be saved? Now, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, he was perfect from the beginning. He, he didn't need to be born again. By the way, salvation and 
the term born again are interchangeable. We are born again, which is our salvation experience. Nicodemus said to Jesus, had an exchange with Jesus about what salvation or what being born again must be. And you've got to realize that we are saved when we're born again. When we're born again, we are born as children of God. Get this, when we're born again, we are then through that experience born as perfect children. Now, perfect in our performance, no. But perfect in our position, yes. We will never attain perfection in our performance on this side of heaven. Now, we will continually get better, right? Amen? I'm, I'm a better person today than I was yesterday in my performance because of the work that Jesus has done. And my performance has never warranted the salvation of God. I'm not saved because of my performance. But because of my position, Brandon... My performance does get better, but my position is perfect. My performance is not. Are you following me there for what I'm saying? So uh, was Jesus born again? No, he wasn't because he was born right the first time. We were not born right the first time, but he was born right the first time. When he was born, he was already born the perfect son of God in his position, in his expression, in his exchange, in the way he was but as his as the example we need to be like he was we had to have that perfect encounter through being born again just as he was born originally perfect now was jesus water baptized well yes john the baptist water baptized him and that was one of the accounts that we talked about just moment, a few minutes ago was he spirit baptized yes uh, the, expre the the scripture says the holy spirit uh, ascended upon him like a dove. Now, that makes me think of the question, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit on the earth, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit on the earth, how much more do you need the Holy Spirit? Something to think about. So, Jesus did have all three of the baptisms. And so, there is, yes, a pattern. So, we get saved, we get water baptized, and we get spirit baptized. So let's look at the pattern. Can we look at these together for a little bit? Acts 2.38. Again, it's not on the, on the screen. Acts 2.38, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So there's the first one, repent. Then be baptized. And then the last part, he says, And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we've got a pattern here. We've got salvation, repent, baptized, water, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see it? Salvation, water, spirit. Now, Acts 8. Let's just jump a few verses or chapters to Acts 8, 12 through 17. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. So the first thing, when they believed salvation... Because of the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized water, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs of great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, and, uh, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. So Philip initially set the stage, right? But he didn't finish it. They're like, wait a minute, we've got to send some people back to them and complete the pattern. 
Are you, are you following? We've got to send some people. So they sent Peter and John back to them. And in verse 15, Peter and John, who came down and prayed with them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So they completed the pattern. For he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, Acts 19. Moving forward just a little bit more. Now, Acts 10 has an account. We just, for this initial sake of time, I kind of skipped over that. We might address it here in just a minute, but let's skip to Acts 19, 1 through 6 says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Corinth Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's probably the greatest theologian that ever lived. Greatest understanding of what it is to live a Christian life. And if Paul were to walk in this room and said, Have you dyed your hair pink since you believed? I would think that it would be necessary to listen to him and probably do something about dyeing whatever hair is left on my body pink. I would want to listen to what he said. So we walked in the room, and we understand that they have believed salvation. And he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul is asked this question, have you believed? And, they said, and, and then he asks them this question, very important, very profound question, because he's trying to get the foundation as to what do they really believe. And he says, it's interesting because he discovers what they believe by understanding the second part. And he says, into what were you baptized? So there is an expression that ties us into what we believe based on what we have encountered through the water. It's interesting. The water is the outward expression. It is the sign. It is the part of going public with what we truly believe. And he says, into what baptism or into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. So they were believing that something was to come on hearing this. Check this out. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we've got a precedent here, by the way, for anyone that has been baptized, but it was before they truly understood in whom they were being baptized that there is a second time or maybe a third or fourth or twelfth time that you can be baptized. The pre precedent is set that water baptism isn't necessarily a one and done thing, but it is a done thing once you believe in the proper expression of who Jesus was. They were baptized in the thought of Jesus was coming and then Paul then asks them who were you baptized in and they said in the Jesus who's coming he says no he has come and they believed and then they were water baptized in the name of Jesus do you see that and when Paul had laid his hands on them after they've been baptized the Holy Spirit came on them and it says they began to speak in tongues and they began prophesying an interesting thing here and by the way in all of these accounts that i've read it wasn't like i've been saved for a few years and then i got baptized it's immediately 
immediately these things would happen. It wasn't, I've been a mature Christian and I want to tell the world of this, so I'm going to get baptized. And then I've been baptized and I've been living a good life, so maybe I ought to get Holy Spirit baptized. This is a boom, boom, boom. It should be happening in the same exchange. I'm baptized into the body of Christ. I'm baptized in water. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is a thing that happens. Boom, boom, boom. Now, the Holy Spirit, by the way, didn't just happen in the second chapter of Acts. This is the big one at Pentecost, the one that we hear about when tongues of fire came down where the 120 sat in the upper room and wait, waited. But we just read in Acts 8, 10, and 19. It happened at least four times in the book of Acts. Uh, by the way, Acts 8 that we read, the first, the first account, was five years after Pentecost. This wasn't just something that was a good idea and went away. Acts 10, it was about Gentiles. This is like you and me receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the pattern of salvation, water, and spirit. It was 10 years after Pentecost, 10 years after Acts chapter 2. You see, 10 years later, the disciples are still believing that you need to be saved, that you need to be water baptized, and you still need the Holy Spirit to, baptize, or to be baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Acts 19, that last account that we just read, 25 years after Pentecost. So I want to look real quick at 1 John 5, 7, kind of transitioning just a little bit, but not a lot. It says, for there are three bearing witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. By the way, the Word we see in Revelation 19.13 tells us Jesus is the Word. We also know that in John 1.1 1, 1, we read about that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And then we read a little bit later in John 1 that the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. So we know that in this expression in 1 John 5.7, the three bearing witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit. We've got three bearing witness, and these three are one. So what do they bear witness to? The supernatural life. I'm telling you, I want a supernatural life. I want a life that is beyond what my physical expression can be. I remember a lady that I, I grew up going to church with, and, and um, I would walk into the church, and she would greet me at the front door and say, Hey, how are you doing? And she'd say, I'm super. Naturally. And we ought to have this kind of expression in our lives that we are living a life that is an expression beyond what our natural capabilities are. And that doesn't mean I snap my fingers and I'm all of a sudden somewhere else. However, that happened with Philip in the New Testament. It doesn't mean that we're doing weird and crazy outlandish odd things. However, I say bring it if God wants to do some supernatural things among us. It just means that we ought to be doing some things that say whatever just happened was completely and totally a reliance upon God at work within me. I want a church, I want to be part of a church where we are doing things that are like beyond us. That God says, go do this, and I'm like, I can't. And he's like, great, I can, now go do it in my power, in my strength. So what do they bear witness to? The supernatural life. 
By the way, in regards to this progression, salvation, water, and spirit, the word salvation, I, I just want us to know, because I'm getting ready to show us something pretty cool, can be referred to as repent. It can be referred to as believe or just simply the blood. So we looked at 1 John 5, 7. Now, 1 John 5, 8 says, the spirit and the water and the blood, these three agree. We talked about they bear witness to the supernatural. Nothing more supernatural than this. When you get saved, you become a new person. Think about who you were before Jesus. Think about who you are now. Is that pretty supernatural? So, through salvation, through number one, Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus, we become a new person. When you get water baptized, the old person gets cut off, buried, and left beyond. We might become a new person, but that which is upon us, that, that old man, that old thing, still hangs around, still pursues us, much like the Egyptians pursued the Israelites. Uh, Pharaoh said, go, get out of my sight. And he said, oh, wait a minute, I need you. You're my workforce. I didn't mean it. And he pursues after them, and he tries to draw them back into slavery, even though they had been set free from that slavery lifestyle. So we need water baptism to cut that off. And then when you get Holy Spirit baptized, you get power to walk in the newness that God has given you. It's a completed work, and He wants to give it to you. By the way, all you need to get into heaven is to be saved. But if you want to live victoriously while on earth, you need to be water baptized, and you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some that might need to be, and I talked about this just a second ago, that need to be water baptized again because you were baptized as a child before you were ever saved. You might have been sprinkled. You might not have even had a clue what you were doing. There are some who have never been, uh, never heard the explanation in a way like this. This is not a goofy explanation. It's doctrinally sound. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is why so many people... And so many believers are defeated because they have only had two of the three baptisms. They don't have power. They would describe their lives as powerless. Now, I want to show you something kind of cool. In the tabernacle of Moses, there are three things that had to happen before you get entered in the presence of God. So look at this. So this goes back Old Testament, the tabernacle of Moses. This is my hand drawing. Isn't that pretty? So if you can see the, on the left-hand side of the screen, that's the entrance into the tabernacle of Moses. And on the right-hand side, you've got the holy place and then the most holy place. Now, one thing I do know about today and because of what Jesus has done is we are able to enter into the most holy place and experience the presence of God. Now, in the Old Testament, the priests had to do something before they could go there. And I, I hate to break it to you, but we still have to do that. But we are considered capable of getting there because of the work, the completed work of Jesus, where it was only a specific person that could get there. Now, I want you to see this. Now, the expression first was before the priests could get to the most holy place, they had to first 
go to the altar. Isn't this interesting? What happens at the altar? Blood is shed. Remember we talked about blood is interchanged with salvation? The blood of the Lamb. And then the, the next step, and most of us stop here, is the next part of the altar the, the, is a laver. Now that was a bowl. It held water. It was used for, go ahead and put the next, holding water. It was a, a cleansing place. It was to wash what happened, wash off what happened at the altar. Now, most people, if I could draw a line, think that they can just kind of do a curve around and go straight to the most holy place. But the next thing is there's a flask. Now, I'm not talking about you know, the flask in the pocket. But this flask, it represents oil. And the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And isn't this interesting that just as today for us to encounter the fullness of God in our lives, we need salvation, water, and spirit. In the Old Testament tabernacle of Moses, they needed salvation, water, and oil represents the spirit of God. There is no bypassing. There is no shortcut. The progression is still the same. We still have to get there. I, by the way, I drew all of those things with my free hand on it's kind of cool for those that are listening to the podcast. You just can't see how awesome of an artist I am right now. Um, but anyway, uh, especially the altar, the, that's kind of groovy, isn't it? It's just, thank you, make me feel good. But this is a, a progression to get to the presence of God. And what's interesting is people are fine with salvation, with the sacrifice of what Jesus has done, that has made it possible for us to get to heaven, but it has made us impossible for us to encounter the very expressed presence of God in the greatest expression and form while we walk on this earth. And if we want to experience heaven on earth, we have got to experience the water and the Spirit. Some people, they come to church and say, I'm good, I'm saved. They come and they are water baptized. You cannot bypass the oil. Let me ask this question for those, anybody that might have a clue of some Old Testament theology. Vanessa, what happens when you enter the holy place incorrectly? You die. By the way, this is going to seem kind of harsh. I don't mean it that way. I just don't know how else to say it. You don't get to set the rules on how you enter into God's presence. But what's really cool is it's not hard. You need salvation. You need the water. And you need the Spirit. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, wlmiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time. <laughs>